there. Bless you. Bless you. Online as well. I can't see you online, but I hope that uh, you're, this, you're, you somehow came across this church, and I pray that this uh, Sunday service will be uh, a blessing to you. Uh, a couple of announcements here. Um, next Sunday is Easter. And we're super excited about Easter. And we've said this every Sunday. We've got our, some of our CEOs, right, at Christmas and Easter only people that will only show up to church uh, on Easter. And that's fine, but we want to take advantage of that opportunity. And so uh, I want to invite you to invite the people that you know. Um, because if, any, if, if you've been impacted by Jesus in your life, wouldn't you want that for your best friend or your neighbor or your family member or even that person that you don't get along so well with. Maybe God will change their heart and you guys will be best friends after that, you know? Hey, you never know. You never know. Um, also, this uh, Friday um, is Good Friday, and so we're going to celebrate that at 6.30 here uh, in our church. It's going to be a uh, bilingual service, so feel free to join us. It's going to be from 7.30 uh, to about mm, 6.30, to 7.30, something like that, 7.15, something like that. It'll be a little bit of a shorter service, um, and so you are more than welcome uh, to join us. Sound good? Yes? Okay. Are you guys here? Yes? You guys here? Yeah? You can clap. It's fine. You can clap. Um, so anyway, uh, let's, let's go to our scripture today. Uh, Matthew, Matthew chapter 21. We just saw it on the screen, but I just want to go ahead and read uh, through that. If you have a Bible, please uh, look for um, uh, the gospel of Matthew chapter uh, 21, starting in verse 1, and I'm going to read through that, and we're also, also going to have uh, the scriptures on the screen. So it says this, As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethphage on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and at once you will find a donkey tied there with a colt by her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, say that the Lord needs them, and he will send them right away. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Say to uh, daughter Zion, see, your king comes to you gentle and riding on a donkey and on a colt, uh, the foal of a donkey. The disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and placed their cloaks on them uh, for Jesus to sit on. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of him um, and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, Who is this? The crowds answered, This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. So, Today, I want to talk to you about the topic, Hosanna. We're going to talk about Hosanna, okay? Now, before, I, before I, I talk about that word, I want to ask you a question. Have you ever been in a situation where you're in a group of people, and that group of people, they're like really smart, and they're talking about a topic that you're not familiar with at all, but everyone else seems to know what they're talking about, and you just kind of nod along because you don't want to be embarrassed? Have you ever been in that situation? Just me? Okay, so this was what happened. This was a while back in my early days of ministry. Uh, I would meet with this group of pastors, and these pastors were super smart, and they used all these like theological words that I was really unfamiliar with. Um, and so they would talk about different topics, and sometimes I wouldn't know what they were talking about. And I would just kind of like nod, like, okay, yeah, that's, you know, interesting. But they called me on it once. It was so embarrassing, because they were talking about cessationism. Cessationism, okay? Exactly. And so... They were talking cessationism this, cessationism that, and I'm like, yeah, cessationism, you know, I kind of nodding along, just kind of hoping that they would change the subject. And all of a sudden, one of the guys calls me on it. So like, Josh, 
would you consider yourself a cessationist? Uh, and I had to like just, just honestly, this is honest right here. I'm like, well, honestly, like cessationism is one of those things where like I'm not like I'm kind of on the fence about because I like to keep an open mind. And like it's one of those topics where I just I'm still like in the process of trying to figure out what it is. As my heart was beating out of my chest and I was sweating because I was so embarrassed. You see, the problem was I was too prideful to just say, you know what? I have no idea what that word means. Okay. And I've never done it again. And now I, I've decided to be the dumb person in the room. When I don't know what something is, I'm like, dude, I literally just, I don't know what you just said, and I don't know what that means. And what I've discovered is that I'm usually not the only one. So there are other people there, so I'm almost like saving them, okay? So anyway, the reason why I share that is because I believe that the same can be true in church. As we're studying the scriptures, we're interacting amongst brothers and sisters, there may be certain topics or certain words that we're like unfamiliar with, but everyone else seems to know what we're talking about, and so you're just kind of like hiding behind the crowd. In fact, last, uh, last year I did a sermon series uh, that was titled The Message of Our Worship, and it was, a, it, was a, it was a series just unpacking the meaning of the worship songs that we sing every Sunday. Because it's very possible that there are certain Sundays where we sing certain songs and we're like, you know, Jaira, you are, and it's like, Jaira, hmm, that sounds like really cool, like a cool word, but like, what does that really mean? Okay? And so one of those words is Hosanna. Now, I'm not going to call anyone out on this. If you don't know what Hosanna means, that's fine. We're going to talk about that today. Okay, because sometimes what we do know is that Hosanna was something that people were yelling out or they were shouting when Jesus was entering Jerusalem. We know that they had palm branches. We know that Jesus walked in uh, uh, riding on a donkey, right? So we know all these things and we come to church and we celebrate that uh, once a year on a Sunday. And you may think, well, this is great. Like we're all doing it together. It's kind of a fun thing. But why do we do it again? What is it that we're actually celebrating? And so I want to talk about that just a little bit, and I'm going to give you just a little bit of history, okay? Just like Bible history, real quick, hopefully this will, this will um, help out. So we go to the beginning of the Bible, and we got Adam and Eve, right? And Adam and Eve, and so God wants to bless Adam and Eve, and they're in the Garden of Eden, and everything's a blessing, and they have perfect communication with God, but they mess it up because they eat out of the forbidden fruit, and then God throws them out of the garden, and then he's like, okay, I got to find a different group of people. So generations go by, and then there's Noah. Noah shows up. He's like, okay, I think this is the guy. We're going to start over again. You know, the flood and all that stuff happening, and then he messes it up again. So more generations go by, and then there's this, uh, this nation, and he's like, I'm going to bless this nation. And instead of just receiving the blessing and obeying God, they decide to build a tower because they wanted to make it all about power and about themselves. And so God is like, I'm going to confuse their languages, and I'm going to send them off on their way, and then more uh, generations go by, and then there's this guy called Abraham, and then God comes to Abraham, and then he tells Abraham, hey, I'm going to bless you, man. I think you're the guy. I'm going to bless you, and everyone who blesses you, I'm going to bless, and everyone who curses, I'm going to curse, and I make, I'm going to make you a father of many nations, and your nation is going to be so large that you're not even going to be able to count it like the stars in the sky. And and so Abraham, right, he's the guy. And then uh, he has a son, Isaac. And then God says, actually, you need to kill your son. And he's like, wait a minute. First of all, my wife couldn't have children. You made me this huge promise. And now my only son, I have to go and sacrifice? And he's like, yeah, go and sacrifice your son. So he goes, and he's going to go and sacrifice his son. And God's like, stop, don't do that yet. And here's what I want to do, just kind of a parenthesis, because sometimes when we hear stories like this, we think God is evil. And we're like, how could God ask 
Abraham to sacrifice his son Isaac. But when you understand the context, and many scholars will agree on this, is that every other pagan nation back then, child sacrifice was a common practice. And so what he was doing in that moment wasn't like, I'm going to sacrifice, I'm going to make you sacrifice your son. What he was doing is like, this is done with. Like, we're not doing any more child sacrifices from now on. And so that story continues, you know, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. Jacob has 12 sons. He's got his favorite son, which is Joseph. And then Joseph, um, you know, everyone doesn't like him because he's uh, Abraham's, uh, sorry, he's, he's Isaac's favorite son. And then they, they don't like him, and so they sell him into slavery, and he ends up going into Egypt, and then uh, God blesses him through Egypt, and then he ends up in prison, and then he is interpreting some of the dreams, and then he goes, and he ends up actually being the right hand of Pharaoh. And now think about in the back of your mind the promise that was made to him. Many nations, I'm going to bless you. This is the nation that I'm going to bless. And then time goes by, and then Joseph is, uh, he's, he's blessed by God. He's blessed by God. And then he's going through all uh, these situations. And when we look back and we understand all of this process that he was going through, you realize that when Joseph goes back and he actually brings his family uh, into Egypt and they're blessed by God, and then they actually end up being slaves for 400 years. And then after they're in slavery, remember this guy Moses shows up and he says, you know, let my people go. And he, and he takes them out of Egypt and then they start conquering this land after their 40 years in the desert. And then they're going into Canaan and they're conquering Canaan. And all of a sudden, what happens? They say, um, God gives them judges. And then they're like, we don't want judges no more. We want kings. We want to be like the other nations. We want kings. And God's like, you don't want kings. Seriously, you don't want kings. Like, we want kings. And then he gives them Saul, which is not a great king. And then he gives them David, which was an amazing king. And then Solomon, Solomon and David, those 80 years, they called them the golden era, which they built a temple and they built a palace and it was amazing, right? And then time goes by and the sons of Solomon, they're, they're not great leaders. And so they divide the kingdom and then they're exiled into Babylon, right? And then they're conquered by Persia. And then the Roman Empire comes in. And this is when Jesus walks in. So Jesus walks in in the moment when Jerusalem was, had been conquered by Rome. And so he walks in. I promise this is going to make sense. I promise this whole rant is going to make sense. So he's walking in to Jerusalem. And everyone's screaming, Hosanna, Hosanna, which means save us. Save us. Save us from what? Save us from the Roman Empire. Save us from the Roman Empire. Save us. Bring us back to the golden era when we had power and we had prestige and we had glory and we had influence. He was walking in. He's like, this is the son of David who's going to bring us back to our glory days. Save us from the Roman rule. The palm branches represented victory. So they're like, this is the person who's going to save us from Rome. It was a big celebration. It's the person that's going to bring us back to our former glory. One of the interesting things is that Jesus comes in riding in on the donkey, which is actually military language. If, you were, if you're riding in on a horse, you're coming to conquer. If you're riding in on a donkey, you come in peace, which was probably an interesting uh, differentiation that they saw. And so this might have seemed strange because they were expecting for a political figure to come in and save them from Rome. 
So what I want to ask you to do this morning is that you will put yourself in the mindset of the Israelites of the time. What are they thinking when Jesus is coming in? What are they thinking? They're thinking, finally we have a new king that's going to be like David and going to bring us back to our former days of glory. Finally, we're going to get the respect that we deserve. Finally, that promise that was given to Abraham of power and influence is going to become true through Jesus. And so I want you to try to imagine the thought process as the rest of the week unfolded. So Jesus comes in and the rest of the week starts to unfold. What happens? Judas betrays Jesus. The disciples abandon Jesus. Jesus is before Pilate. Soldiers are mocking Jesus. They free Barabbas instead of Jesus. Jesus is tortured. And a lot of the same people who were yelling Hosanna as Jesus was coming in were the same ones that were yelling crucify him toward the end. And I think that in this whole process, there were probably some of people that were saying, no, 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 wait, this can't be happening. This can't be true. Just give it time. Wait for it. Jesus is about to show everyone that he's going to come and conquer. Just wait for it. Wait for it. It's coming. And then what happened? Crucifixion. And their Savior was dead. So the question that they would ask themselves, I believe, was like, wait a minute, what? What happened? Like, what about the promise? This wasn't what we were expecting. It seems like Jesus failed them. Like he didn't come through for him. And honestly, I don't, I don't blame them for thinking that way. You know, Jesus had told them before, you know, my kingdom is not out of this world. And when we look in, in retrospect, like we understand what he meant. Um, but what were they supposed to do with that? Like my kingdom is not of this world. Okay, well, maybe it's like this amazing kingdom, but not like literally like it's going to be a different type of kingdom. Or some confusing things that Jesus would say, like, like eat my flesh and drink my blood. Like, because my, my blood is true drink and my, my flesh is really the, the real food that you need. Like, wait a minute, what? Now, we look back in retrospect and we understand what he was meaning. But in the moment, it seemed very, very confusing. And see, the thing about this is that, is that that can also be true for us today like what were they supposed to do with all that information that seemed to be so confusing now that things were unfolding differently than what they thought that they would and the same can be true for us as well you see in the same way that there was a certain expectation of what Jesus would do when they were when they were shouting hosanna it's possible that you're here today and you have a different expectation of what Jesus actually came to do in your life you see, everyone's shouting, save us, with victory and palm branches. They all had, listen to this, they all had a limited perspective of what Jesus actually came to do. That's why they were disappointed. That's why they were disappointed, because none of it came true. I mean, it felt like a false, false now think about this, it, this felt like a false promise. Like, where's the king? Where's the kingdom? Where's the power? Where's the influence? Where's the recognition? Where's the retaliation to our enemies? Where's the vindication that we deserve? The promise that we were made. Now, it doesn't seem, doesn't it seem logical that they would be disappointed? Like Jesus simply didn't come through for him. Now, this, this is a familiar feeling. I mean, I don't know if you've been there before. 
I just disappointed. Like Jesus, I felt like God was going to do something in my life and it turns out it never happened. Have you ever been there? Jesus didn't come through for me. My health, my relationships, my goals. Like what, what happened? Like I, I thought everything was supposed to go well. My finances, what, what's, what's going on now? And I want, I want to share something with you guys. I don't know if you guys remember a few, uh, about a month ago, I think I shared, I shared about baby Milo. Do you guys remember baby Milo? So I was sharing about this baby, this baby Milo, this beautiful, beautiful baby, and he, he had a brain tumor. You guys remember that? And his, his, his body was just starting to shut down. And so I want to share with you guys the latest update that I got um, from their parents. And so I'm going to read through this. This is what it says. It was a text message. I can send you the whole thing if you want, because this is public. It's not private. It says this. Um, this was last week. It says, This morning, while lying in bed between Andrea and I, Milo breathed, breathed his final breath and has gone to be with Jesus, our sweet, sweet boy. When we shared with Judah, that's their, that's their five-year-old son, that Milo had gone to be with Jesus, he looked at Andrea with tears in, in her eyes and said, it's okay, Mama, you still have me. He wrapped his arms around her and kissed her. What sh- this is, a, this is his, uh, Milo's dad writing this. What should one feel in a moment like this? Will there ever be words to truly articulate what we feel? Thoughts are many, questions are numerous, emotions are uh, emotions more than our hearts can process at this moment. Yet these three remain, faith, hope, and love, and the greatest of all is love. He fought so hard, his warrior spirit had inspired us in innumerable ways. His smile will forever be engraved in our hearts. His laughter and roar will forever echo in our hearts. We grieve, but it is not without hope. Our Jesus our Jesus loved us to the point of giving his life and the Father raised him again. Therefore, our hope does not end with death. Yet just as, I, just as real as the promise of our eternal hope is the pain we now feel. It hurts. His life could never be replaced. The hole will never be filled on this earth. Therefore, we will live in anticipation of the beautiful reunion with our mighty warrior, our beloved son, our Milo. It's so humbling how God could show us such love, strength, resilience, and joy through our baby boy. It's humbling how so many have surrounded us on this journey and have fought with us, heart and soul. Though we mourn together, may our hearts be full of love. Tough questions swarm. May our hearts rest in the certainty that we are loved. May we hold our sons and daughters close, cherish every moment, speak life over them, and never take a breath for granted. So I wanted to share that with you guys. And I can't even explain to you how heartbreaking it was to take baby Milo's picture off of my prayer board. It was so hard. And I can only imagine how this was for the the parents. And so the reason why, why I share this with you, because this is a very real story. This question may come up in your life right now. You may be asking yourself this question, like, why in your life? Like, why did he or she have to die? Like, why, why did my marriage have to fall apart? Why do bad things have to happen? Why did I lose my job? Like, why do things seem to maybe not work out the way I thought? Maybe you f- you're here and you feel like Jesus didn't come through for you. Like, your prayers just weren't answered 
and you keep praying and you keep insisting and there's something that you, in your heart that just doesn't seem like it's settled because it feels like God is sort of like not listening or he's not there or he made you a promise and it never happened. And so this is exactly how the Israelites felt. Like the Israelites felt that way. You see, it's easy for us to look and go in retrospect and, and, and understand the reality of what happened in that moment, which is that Jesus surpassed all of their expectations. Like we go back and we understand what salvation means and that the kingdom is not of this world. But they didn't understand it. You see, Jesus did not free them from Rome like they expected. He freed them from the consequences of sin forever is what he did. You see, Jesus didn't give them a prosperous life like they were expecting. But he crushed Satan and all of his power once and for all. That's what Jesus did. He didn't destroy their enemies like they were expecting. But he crushed Satan and his power forever. You see, here's the thing. That in that moment, in that moment, they missed it. And it's possible that you are missing that as well right now as you're thinking about it. Because maybe you're here this morning and you, and you need to be saved. And you think about it, like, I need, I need God to save me. You know, because I, I have a boss that is horrible. I need to be saved from my boss. You know, or, or I need to be saved from this toxic relationship that I'm in. Or I need to be saved in my finances. Or I need to be saved from illness or depression. And you're just like the Israelites. You're seeing Jesus and you're yelling, Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna. Save me, save me. And listen, Jesus may do that for you. He may do that for you. And he does. We've seen it over and over again. He might give you a better boss. I pray that he does. You know, he may give you a better relationship. I pray that he does. He may make you rich. I pray that he does. You know, he may heal you. I pray that God heals you. But that's not why he came. That's not why he came. You see, a better job, a better relationship, or more money in the bank, or a healthier body, all these things, they all have expiration dates on them. And he may give you these things, but that's not why he came. In the same way that he didn't come to save Israel from Rome, but to establish the eternal kingdom of heaven, he did not come to save you from your current problem, but he came to save you from the curse of sin. That's at the root of everything. That's why he came. This is why Jesus walked into Jerusalem. This is why Jesus has walked into your life as well. And that's what Hosanna means. It means save us. Save us. And salvation is available to you right now, in this moment. So I'm going I'm to end with this. Um... I heard someone say this this week, and it was really interesting. What is salvation? What is, it, what is the salvation that Jesus offers? The salvation that he offers is, is deliverance from the power and the effects of sin. Romans 6 says this. I'm going to read Romans 6, uh, verses 3 and 4. It says, For us who are baptized into Christ Jesus... We're baptized into his death. We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death 
in order that Jesus Christ raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, may too, we too may live a new life. Some of you are here this morning and it's time for you to make Jesus the Lord of your life. That's what I want to ask you to do this morning. There's some of you that are on the fence about what their next step is in their relationship with Jesus. And I'm not going to lie to you. Jesus may bless you. May, he, may, he may give you all the blessings that you're dreaming about. And I pray that he does. But the reason why Jesus came and he lived a perfect life and he died on the cross was to save you from the curse of sin. And sin will separate you from Jesus. And Jesus paid for the whole price on that cross. And so next week we're having baptisms. I'm so excited about that. I love, I love it when we have baptisms. And, and baptism is a, is a beautiful thing. And here's how I try to explain what baptism is. You see, I, I, I like to use the illustration of marriage. And so in marriage, um, you know, you're dating for a while and then, you know, you get to know each other and then there comes a moment when you decide to like get married. And so you, you know, you have the wedding and you, you invite people and people watch and they're all like, right? So, so marriage is the, is the biblical way to start a romantic relationship. And so, in the same way, baptism is the biblical way of starting your relationship with Jesus. And some of you here have been coming to church, and you like coming to church, and you like the Bible, and you like the space, but you've been dating Jesus for a while now. And it's time for you to tie the knot. And that's what baptism is. And so we could do a lot of different things, like I could make you raise your hand and say, you know, the sinner's prayer and all these things. But, but really, the, the biblical way to start your relationship with Jesus is in baptism. And so here's what I want to do now. Um, I'm going to ask you to, to bow your heads and uh, nobody looking anywhere. And um, I'm just going to ask you if, if you, if today... I'm not going to ask you to commit to baptism, but if, but if today, today, you want to make Jesus the Lord of your life, I'm going to count to three. You're going to raise your hand, and you're going to put it right back down, and then I'll try to find you, and we will talk, all right? All right, so if that's, if that's you uh, this morning, and you've been on the fence for a while, and you think that now, now is the time nobody's looking around, I'm the only one that's looking out, I'm going to count to three, and then I'm going to pray for you. One, two, three. Raise your hand. God bless you. God bless you in the back. Thank you. All right, Lord God, we thank you so much, so much for your love, for your mercy, for your blessings. Thank you, God, because this morning is a reminder of the reason why you walked in to Jerusalem on that day. Thank you, God, that, that you've, allowed us for, you've allowed for us to understand that the salvation is not superficial. It's not a salvation from my problems. It's not salvation from my boss. It's not salvation from, from depression. That's, that's not, it's not what that is. You came in to save us from the curse of sin and that the result of that permeates our entire life. So I thank you so much this morning for this message. And I thank you for your love. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.